0: Here it is!
1: From deep inside your radio. Ladies and gentlemen, due to the vagaries of travel arrangements, this program is being recorded in London on Friday. Now, it's the same Friday you had, but a little earlier. But anyway, in case anything happened on Saturday, just letting you know, I didn't know about it. Don't blame me for not talking about it. Meanwhile... As they say in the news business, our freedom-loving friends. This week, Saudi Arabia. Yeah, we're we're longtime friends and allies. Going way back to, uh, I guess, the discovery of oil there, and they love freedom like nobody else. Dateline, Riyadh. Saudi Arabia's morality pre- police this week arrested men at a birthday party for, quote, loud music and inappropriate dancing. That's according to state-linked media reports. That's right, they they have state media there, because they love freedom. The Commission for the Promotion of Virtue and the Prevention of Vice raided a property in the central Saudi city of Bureda last Saturday evening. The detained men were found in a, quote, compromising situation in their dance and shameful movements, according to an official. A birthday cake and candles were also discovered in the residence. Even more worrying for the officials were the men's untraditional hairstyles and dress. The uh, official urged parents to monitor as they can apparently, quote, lead to immorality and even homosexuality. Unquote. Many Saudis were quick to take to social media to ridicule the arrests and point out that the men were not partying with women or drinking alcohol. Both of those are offenses. In our freedom-loving friend, others shared pictures of sword dances, such as the one Prince Charles took part in this month with other royals, but hardliners claimed this sort of dancing was masculine and therefore socially acceptable. Boreda, bore, boreada Boreada the capital of Qasim Province, you know that province. It's home to ultra conservative clerics who practice Wahhabism, a strict interpretation of Islam. In case you're wondering where else Wahhabism is practiced, it's the um religious practice of what we call well what the administration chooses not to call at this point Islamic extremists like Al Qaeda and IS. Maybe some money even passes between. The uh, clerics view Western music and birthday celebrations as sinful and un-Islamic. The morality police are empowered to enforce dress codes and Islamic practices to ensure Western influences are not adopted by Saudi citizens. But hey, they got a new king, King Salman. He's recently appointed a new head of the religious police. Replacing his more reformist predecessor. No details about how many men were arrested or their ages or their agents. And it's more freedom loving for you from our friend in Saudi Arabia an Islamic court there has sentenced a man to death for renouncing his Muslim faith. In his 20s he posted an online video ripping up a copy of the Quran and hitting it with a shoe. According to the Saudi Gazette Under the Wahhabi interpretation of Islamic law, apostasy demands the death penalty, as do sorcery, blasphemy, and criticism of senior Muslim officials, jail terms, and corporal punishment, such as the lashings that are still postponed for that blogger. Anyway, back to this guy. He's been sentenced to death for renouncing his Muslim faith. And in case you didn't know, executions in Saudi Arabia are usually carried out by public beheading. Unlike those nasty old extremists. Our freedom-loving friends in Saudi Arabia. Ladies and gentlemen, the kabuki that gets called politics in America today is uh, no better display of it than this week's debate. If you want to Dignify it with those word, with that word. Regarding the proposed or threatened cutoff of funding for the Department of Ho- Homeland Security. You know this story, right? The Republicans who are incensed about President Obama's executive actions with regard to uh, undocumented, un- undocumented immigrants. Uh, took to passing a budget for every department of the government except... The Department of Homeland Security, which was on a very short budget leash, which expired or which was set to expire on Friday. And the House Republicans condition for passing a renewal of that budget was a provision that cut off all funding to enforce the president's executive action with regard to undocumented immigrants. They. The House Republicans thought they were trapping the Democrats by attaching their proposal to a must-pass piece of legislation. That is to say, the renewal of funding for the Department of Homeland Security. The Democrats thought they'd trap the Republicans because, refusing to pass that bill, they blamed the Republicans for the shutdown of the Department of Homeland Security. Both of them know that there's no bigger boondoggle in the federal government today Then the Department of Homeland Security, first of all, were the budget not to be renewed, most of the crucial employees, if not all of the crucial employees of the Department of Homeland Security would still go to work, wouldn't get paid, still have to report to work. Secondly, the Department of Homeland Security was created in the wake of 9-11 to respond to the criticism that information In the hands of one agency handling intelligence was not being shared with others like the FBI and the CIA, which is the situation we have still today, despite the existence of a multi billion dollar Department of Homeland Security. And then, you know, they they contain the TSA, which I think every year is up for a Tony Award for best unnecessary theater. In addition, we're we're led to believe that terrorism is such a s- serious threat that it has to be dealt with with war, not with law enforcement. And that's why you may be excused a bit of bewilderment if you saw the news this week that three young men Supposedly involved in a terrorist plot, were arrested in New York, Brooklyn, as a matter of fact, by the FBI. That's right, by law enforcement. Go figure, department. Hello, welcome to the show.
2: What sure <coughs> a mess you're making, the neighbours want to do it up But I'm always shaking, just like a flipper <coughs> Each morning I get up with a song <coughs> <coughs> I want <coughs> to find out. To <coughs> a night, <The> work has <coughs> been done. no work has been done I know that <coughs> I mean, once <coughs> it didn't matter But now you <coughs> do it though, when, when you, you stop I'm so unhappy, I want you to so take me off Decide to run along, super far away up Or make it snappy Oh, how I long to be the man I used to be fascinating Rhythm, I want you to stop taking on me? I'm, 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 on. I'm, thinking, thinking. I'm on the river, I wanna make it. The neighbors want to know why. I'm shaking, shaking just like a like a, a Each morning I get up with up I sun, the shine the sun. Trying to find out, but no one to find out. I know you, I you, I you, do I it, wrong, so i like was so unhappy. Oh, how I long to be, together be, the be, to be, well, I use use used. be, be, rhythm And i be, really stop, stop be, do pop 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 be, be, pop be, be, All together
3: now! Wow, wow, wow!
2: Rhythm. I'm on a river, Pop, bop, 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 bop. bop, bop, bop. What a mess you're making, the bop, neighbors want to know, why am I shaking? Just like a flavor, like a flavor, each morning I hop with the song, wake up with a up song, and I know work has been done. done, I know work has been done, Oh that's not it, i I'm very fond some so when won't you take so we make a bop.
1: London, England, so quaint that a member of parliament actually had to resign this week when it was revealed that he was soliciting money for work outside his parliamentary duties. Isn't that quaint? I'm Harry Shearer, welcoming you to this edition of the show. And now... If you
0: want me to love you, all that you must do is just say so.
1: Oh, the initial so is so... Enduring, ladies and gentlemen, despite the best efforts of this broadcast, let's spotlight a few recent examples right here now, shall we? And by we, I mean me.
3: I gather that uh, a hospital was struck today.
2: Yeah. So while there hasn't there there hasn't some slight law in the violence around Baltimore, which is that um, critical transport of the Russia-backed rebels have been trying to wrest control of. Um, There was, as you mentioned, an attack on a hospital.
3: And what's the significance of that town, Debaltseva?
2: So Debaltseva is directly in between Donetsk and Lugansk.
4: You've come up with a plan, portions of a plan. Talk to us about that.
2: So the the Republican plans all have in common that folks will get a tax cut slash credit.
4: Pre-existing conditions, what happens there?
2: If everybody gets the credit, everybody has coverage.
4: I think you've got a plan. Are there levels to it? And if so, what does that mean?
2: So the way that, the, first, to put this in context, Obamacare has levels. You're either bronze, silver, or gold.
4: And, Senator, we got literally a minute.
2: So the way that the tax credit uh, slash cut would work, it would be what is called advanceable and refundable. Oh, so you say.
1: Yes, they do. And they will keep doing it. Now, ladies and gentlemen, let us try the motto of the United States Army Corps of Engineers. If this ain't pot finding kettle, I don't know what is. The Tampa Bay Times reports that the, Army Corps of Eng- the United States Army Corps of Engineers has uh, ordered a home building company, Lenar Homes to pay a $30,000 penalty for failing to rebuild and protect wetlands during construction of a neighborhood in Land Lakes, Florida. That's right. The Army Corps is fining somebody else for failing to protect wetlands. If you're wondering where the irony of this story lies, uh, read a book called Paving Paradise, about the Army Corps' 30-year history of, quote, enforcing, unquote, the no, let loss, no Net Loss of Wetlands Provision of the Clean Water Act. It's fun reading. The company, Concord Station LLC, didn't build or restore nearly 10 acres of wetlands and enhance another 10 acres as required by its federal permit. The company also discharged film material into more than an acre of wetlands after its construction period expired, said the Corps. The permit allowed film material to be put into 11 acres of wetlands during development of the neighborhood and construction of a portion of a neighboring street. However, the company failed to follow the permit's mitigation requirements to repair the wetlands' damage. company spokesman said it accepts responsibility for their errors and intends to pay the penalty and complete the mitigation work. Unlike the Corps of Engineers, which regards mitigation work as destroying more wetlands. But let them try. United States Army Corps of Engineers, ladies and gentlemen. And now... News of the Olympic Movement. Produced by Jim Eversall Jr. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I guess your view of the upcoming Rio Olympics depends on whether you're the head of the International Olympic Committee or not. The guy who is, Thomas Bach, says he's very satisfied with Rio's preparations to host South America's first Olympic Games. His upbeat comments came just 10 months after the vice president of the IOC described Brazil's organization as, quote, the worst ever. I'm very satisfied, Bach told reporters in Copacabana. Local officials are concerned that the planned new metro line is behind schedule. The Rio state governor brushed off with those worries. Some delays are normal, and they always happen with the Olympics, but nothing to worry about, said Luis Fernando Pazau. On the other hand... The very self-same IOC president Thomas Bach was taken Bach or back when Rio de Janeiro students asked him to justify irrigation for the new golf course for the 2016 games while adjacent homes go without water during the current drought. Bach was repeatedly asked about the water crisis and for his reaction to remarks by the city's mayor that he wouldn't have built a golf course if he didn't have to. Brazil's southeast region, which includes Rio and Sao Paulo, is experiencing its worst drought in 80 years Recent rainfall has helped water levels in Sao Paulo. The crisis continues. A student told Bach homes next to the under-construction course are without water while thousands of liters are pumped daily on the Olympic venue. This kind of information is very useful, Bach told the audience of about 100 students. We've been told just two days ago that in February there's a pretty rich rainfall in Rio, so now water is available to supply the whole population. Bach said he'd seek more information from the organizers. Preparing for golf's return to the Olympics after a 112-year absence has been a fraught issue for local organizers. They recently won a suit filed by environmentalists who claim construction threatened local flora and fauna. A separate case was filed against the city, alleging it gave preferential treatment to the company building the course. It's being built with private funds. But the mayor said he wouldn't have built the course if it hadn't been essential to convince the IOC to give the games to Rio. I'm a little surprised, said the IOC, President Bach. I'm a little surprised because, as we all know, the mayor was pushing very much for this to happen. The head of the Rio Organizing Committee, Carlos Nuzman, said a new canoeing facility also wouldn't have been built if he had a choice. I'm not happy at having canoeing, but we have to do it. It's due to the commitment of the bid. And... The suspension of Rio de Janeiro's anti-doping laboratory could be lifted within two months in a crucial step to ensure effective drug testing at next year's Olympics. The national, the international organization, WADA, revoked Rio's labs credentials two years ago because of repeated failures in meeting the agency's standards. So doping samples from last year's Rio World Cup, or Brazil World Cup, had to be flown to a lab in Switzerland for testing. We're hopeful the laboratory will meet its final tests. It could be accredited by May. Said the head of the Joint Task Force, that would be a real step forward. Issues regarding blood testing remain to be resolved before officials can recommend that the lab should be reinstated. An IOC vice president said there was not a plan B in discussion for the Rio Olympic drug testing. Why do you need a plan B? The Olympics is a movement. And we all need one. Every day. But wait, there's more Olympic news, even though there's no more Olympic music. It is now okay for Boston city workers to criticize that city's bid for the 2024 Olympics, thanks to a change in the city's deal with the United States Olympic Committee. Mayor Marty Welch announced the change this week, saying the agreement with the USOC had been revised to remove any language discouraging city employees from criticizing the Olympic bid. He had earlier defended the stipulation. The Boston Globe reported last month that the Joinder agreement between the city and the Olympic Committee banned city employees from bad-mouthing the Olympic bid. Some said that was a violation of the First Amendment right to free speech. (laughs) We have that? This revised agreement is the result of positive negotiations with the USOC to reach a consensus that accurately represents how Boston is moving forward with our Olympic bid, said the mayor. His statement characterized the original ban on employee criticism of the Olympic bid as, quote, boilerplate language that all cities have historically signed regarding city employees and their participation in the Olympic process. Interesting. The Olympics have boilerplate banning city employees in host cities from criticizing the thing. And back to Rio. Thousands of dead fish have been found floating in the sailing venue for next year's Olympic Games. The carcasses of Twait Shad, he'll be doing sports later on this evening, uh, small silver fish belonging in, to the herring family, have filled su- huge swaths of water in Guanabara Bay and were even found washing up the coastline outside Rio's International Airport. Welcome to Rio, have some shad, won't you? They were discovered by inspectors testing pollution in the bay, which has, of course, as you know, consistently high levels of garbage, and untreated sewage. The city's environmental agency says it's launched an investigation. Officials say it's likely the fish fell victim to the intense drought. Well, serves them right for not living on the golf course. News of the Olympic movement, ladies and gentlemen. And now, what's up with our friend, the Atom? Clean,
5: safe. Save to save to meter. Save, save to save to meter.
1: Addie the Atom is with us again. Addie? Yes, sir? You uh, you made the flight okay?
0: hmm
1: My uh, protons are still stuffed. Wow. A broken fitting. No, I don't have that. No, I know. This was at a nuclear plant. It was to blame for a valve that closed unexpectedly this week at a southeastern Pennsylvania nuclear power plant, its owners said on Wednesday. Unit 1, one of two reactors at the Limerick Generating Station in Montgomery County in the Lehigh Valley, was automatically shut down or scrammed due to a high-pressure signal in the reactor, according to the NRC. You don't want those. No, you don't want a high-pressure signal in your reactor, do you? The signal stemmed from the closure of a main steam isolation valve, causing reactor pressure to rise beyond a set point in the protection system. Quote, the shutdown was normal. The plant is stable in hot shutdown with normal pressure control, said the NRC. It uh, blamed the loss, sorry, the valve closure on a loss of primary containment instrument gas Pneumatic supply to the valve. Yeah? According to the owner of Limerick... I understood it. According to the Limerick owner... Exelon! The issue is a broken fitting associated with the valve. Technicians are completing the repairs, and once complete, will return the unit to service. Exelon notified its resident inspector and uh, other officials. It's 30 miles south of Allentown, isn't it? Yeah. How'd you know? reading over your shoulder. There once was a nuclear plant who didn't understand the word can't. Yes. When they had a shutdown, the boss put his butt down and flew by the seat of his pant. Wow. That is the magic of the atom. Dateline Tokyo, the operator of Japan's tsunami-stricken fuk nuclear power plant, admitted it failed to report a radioactive rainwater leak from the facility... For about 10 months. What's the hurry? The company... Apparently none. The company noticed a spike in radiation levels in the plant's drainage system, particularly after rainfall, last April, according to a TEPCO official at a press conference this week. Quote, this was part of an ongoing investigation which we discovered a water puddle with high levels of radiation on top of the reactor number two building... And because this also happens to be the one of the sources for this drainage system, we decided to report everything all at once. That's to explain why the findings weren't reported immediately. The puddle, in question, contains cesium levels as high as 72,000 becquerels per liter. That's high. That is more than 10 times as high as radiation levels in sample water taken from other parts of the roof. Higher than the rest of the roof. Yeah, let alone the rest of the world. TEPCO said it would implement measures to prevent further contamination by, for example, placing sandbags that absorb radioactive material in the area. Why don't they fill the whole place with those sandbags? What a good question that is. And the French nuclear power giant Arriva... Arriva? It's a different Arriva. Expects a net loss of about... Five and a half billion dollars for last year, the company warned its investors. That's significantly larger than the company's market value, suggesting that France will need to prop up the state-controlled company to maintain its operations. Arriva's uh, warning comes as its executives are preparing a new strategy to lower debt and restore profitability, how the company can recover from the nuclear industry slowdown well, it's not a shutdown. No, and it's not a hot slowdown that followed the Fuch disaster and how it can respond to rising competition from Russian, Japanese, and South Korean firms. A large slice of Arriva's financial woes are tied to a struggling nuclear plant in Finland that's being built by Siemens. Aren't they busy on the ships? No, not Siemens. Oh. When construction on the plant began... In 2005, Arriva projected it would start generating power four years later. After a decade of construction delays and substantial cost overruns, that never happened. Some analysts are now predicting the plant won't begin operating until the end of this decade. Arriva and its finished customer, the utility TVO, have filed claims with billions of euros against each other. Good business to be in, though. I guess it is. Because the French government will come to their rescue, won't it? Even the French. Clean, cheap suit to save a to meet her. Our friend, the Adam.
0: You don't often see my face Behind the headlines, that's my place working with the backroom eyes Without making too much noise
1: From London, this is Le Show. And now, news of AFRIC. That must hurt. The torture and mistreatment of speaking of hurt, the torture and mistreatment of people arrested for conflict-related activities remain widespread in Afghan prisons, according to the United Nations in a new report this week. They point to a continuing challenge for the nation's new government. 36, 35, it's just down, of the 7, percent of the 790 detainees interviewed over the past year, claimed to have been subjected to mistreatment, including beatings with pipes, electric shocks, and near asphyxiation. There's been just one criminal prosecution for torture since 2010. That's one more than in the country that taught them, or at least set a a nice example. When we had our little uh, prison over at the Salt Pit, outside uh, Bagram Air Base, where at least one person had died. No criminal prosecutions regarding that. But Afghanistan has had one. Many officials with security organizations do not appear to view torture as illegal, said the U.N. report, unlike, say, officials in our security organizations. Torture is a very serious crime for which there is no justification, says the U.N. High Commissioner for Human Rights, whistling into the wilderness. The U.N. Commanded, commended the Afghan government for its efforts, saying there had been a 14% drop in such episodes from the previously reported period two years ago. The government pledged to start a new program to eliminate torture. We'll be watching for that should be good. But there's more news of AFPAC. Former Pakistani President Pervez Musharraf says, Kabul must share power with the Afghan Taliban if it wishes to see peace. He, had an, he gave an interview to the Wall Street Journal. He said, um, the inauguration last year of the new president, Ashraf Ghani, presents a new opportunity for reconciliation. He's a balanced man, said Musharraf. I think he's a great hope. Musharraf admitted that India and Pakistan had been engaged in a proxy war in Afghanistan. He said Islamabad's role, that is to say Pakistan's role, in nurturing the Taliban and allied militant groups, this is our friend Pakistan, Nurturing the Taliban and other militant groups operating in Afghanistan, those were a legitimate counterweight against India. There are enemies of Pakistan that have to be countered, Musharraf said. Certainly, if there's an enemy of mine, I will use somebody to counter him. The spokesman for India's Ministry of Foreign Affairs said, quote, We don't need to respond to voices from the wilderness. Unquote. Getting back to Musharraf, he said, The world must realize we may not like the face of Mullah Omar, but that is how life is. That is what Afghanistan is, said the former president of Pakistan. The new Defense Secretary of the United States, Ashton Carter, used his first visit to Afghanistan to promise a broad review of the U.S. mission that could include a slower withdrawal of troops from America's longest war. This, according to Bloomberg News, after meeting with the new president, Carter said the Obama administration is willing to reconsider its plan to pull out almost all U.S. forces by January 2017. Our priority now is to make sure this progress sticks, he said. That is why President Obama is considering a number of options to reinforce our support for President Ghani's security strategy, including possible changes to the timeline for our drawdown of U.S. troops. The review reflects doubt about whether the Afghan military undermined by factionalism and equipped with only rudimentary combat aircraft can secure the country on its own. No decisions have been made yet on whether any changes should be made to Obama's plan. Ghani will discuss the issue of adequate troop levels with Obama on his visit to Washington next month. Some sources say the U.S. willingness to reconsider the pace of its pullout is due at least in part to the friendlier relationships it has with the new administration in Kabul as opposed to the relationship it had with the former Afghan president, Hamid Karzai. And there is a new militia organized in Afghanistan, Marg, or death in the local Dari language. It's so named because they vowed a fight to the end to prevent Syria and Iraq-based Extremists from the IS from establishing a foothold in their country. Proclaim their leader, we are ready for martyrdom. Well, that's how it looks from here. How does it look from there? From Afghanistan Public Radio, where our ombudsman always likes what we do. From the abandoned American high-tech
5: broadcast van in downtown Kabul. Whether the electricity doesn't stop until we do. <laughs> I'm Mahmoud. And I'm Hamid. We're Ho and Bo, the Out of Work Brothers. <laughs> Welcome to another non-rerun edition of Karzai Talk. Today's program comes to you with the assistance of the Heroin Foundation. Heroin it's not just for junkies anymore. <laughs> we'll take grants from anyone at this point, won't we? Oh, not really. I just said it to tick off the Americans. <laughs> <laughs> what is it you don't like about the Americans? Surely not their money. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just get weary of their younger than thou attitude. <laughs> <laughs> but my dear younger brother, mm-hmm. now they're saying they may keep some troops here even longer than they planned. Yes. Vice President Biden said they'd be all gone by the end of last year, come hell or high water. Mm. So we must be in a heavenly drought. That's <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> but uh, does that mean things aren't going as well as expected? No, oh, no, 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 no. They say it's because they now have a nicer guy in the presidential palace. Mm. So, we're supposed to be nicer to invaders? (laughs) Yes, yes, now I feel sorry for the Russians, the Brits, and Alexander the Great. (laughs) Hello, you are on cars, I talk. Uh,
3: Hello, I'm John, long-time retired general, first-time caller. Uh, John, Mm -hmm. if I'm not mistaken, as a
5: retired general, you no longer have access to a military vehicle for personal transport. Uh, well, that's correct. Uh, my older brother, please, don't try to sell him one of your used Toyotas. No. <laughs> now, they're pre-owned. Yeah. They're also pre-junked. <laughs> 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 Go ahead, caller.
3: Uh, well, uh, I just wanted to uh, clarify the U.S. position regarding uh, extending the uh, stay of some of our troops in... Uh, your beautiful country. Beautiful country. Mm-hmm. Does he think they invaded Nepal? <laughs> <laughs> no, sir. I, I am a great admirer of the physical beauty of your country. Oh, mm. thank you,
5: sir. Yeah. And we loved getting you VIP seating at the Miss Kandahar pageant. <laughs>
3: <laughs> uh, but my nation, which uh, has, after all, uh, spent a lot of blood and uh, treasure helping your people, mm. uh, believes that now... Uh, with a new, more cooperative spirit between our two governments.
5: You can afford some more blood and treasure. <laughs>
3: <laughs> uh, well, better you than Ukraine. <laughs> uh, 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 but but seriously, mm-hmm. I think the the government that I still serve in a, a quasi-informal consultative capacity mm-hmm. feels that a a more cooperative spirit will enable us to have a more effective advisory presence as we attempt to wean you off of us
5: mm. well, general, although I know that Washington hasn't always regarded me as a friend, I'd say that just as much as I have enjoyed your burgers I'm sure will really delight in your ha. <laughs> As long, of course, <laughs> as they don't interfere with our secret tacos with the <laughs> Taliban.
3: <laughs> you know, maybe you guys should be doing reruns. <laughs>
5: General, I know this is out of format, but uh, let me ask you a question.
3: Huh? Yeah, shoot. Oh. I-, I mean, go ahead. Oh. <laughs>
5: Okay, can't be too careful. Uh, My security now is limited to people too crazy to work for the renamed Blackwater. Uh So you are advocating taking longer to pull all American troops out of our country because things are going so well with the new government?
3: Essentially, yes.
5: And if things were going badly in the war, uh, you would advocate... uh,
3: Well, I'd certainly recommend delaying the pullout of our troops until the situation is stabilized. So,
5: if things are going well, you delay the pullout. Uh If things are going badly, you delay the pullout. Uh When would you not advocate delaying the pullout?
3: The, during an election year. <laughs>
5: Thanks for the call. <laughs> I think the only time he wouldn't want to let the pull out is if he'd never been in the military. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know the old adage if you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Yes. And if you're a screwdriver, everything looks like a screw job. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, you are on as I talk. Uh,
6: Hello, this is uh, Pervers, long-time next-door president, uh, first-time caller.
5: Oh, Mr. President, (laughs) or should I just call you
6: Perv? Oh, no, sir. I've never even done children's television.
5: (laughs) (laughs) Don't say (laughs) that. Well, congratulations for getting out of house arrest, Mr. President.
6: Thank you. I was going stir-crazy in there.
5: Oh, you missed being in the hurley and burly of international affairs?
6: Well, that too, but uh, mainly they restricted my internet to dial-up. <laughs> 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 <That's funny. laughs> now,
5: you, you, you told the Wall Street Journal this week mm-hmm. that you admitted helping support the Taliban?
6: Yes, I was just trying to help my friend Rupert sell some papers. <laughs> you know, American Idol's going in the toy-toy.
5: And but, 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 Mr. President, mm-hmm. they were our sworn enemy.
6: I know Ryan Seacrest can be kind of a jerk, but I was... No, no, no,
5: no, sir. Not them. The Taliban.
6: Sure, but they were the only thing that stood between us and total Indian domination of your country.
5: Sir, please, think about it for a New Delhi minute. We had the richest, most powerful country in the world sitting here for more than a decade while we milked them drier than the Kalahari in the summer. And they're still trying to figure out how they can leave without leaving. (laughs) You think the Indians would fare any better? Matter of fact, if I were a Pakistani, I could wish nothing worse for the Indians than to come in here. (laughs) I'd sell them so many used Toyotas, their turbans would be spinning.
6: (laughs) Right. Only a few of them were.
5: So so our producer is asking us to ask you, do you have a question the ombudsman here hates it when we ignore the format? Uh,
6: Certainly. Uh, Don't you think uh, any formula... For the end of the bloodshed in your country, it really does depend on inviting the Taliban in to join a unity government.
5: Well, as you know, we did make some good faith efforts to open talks with them during the non fighting season months. Uh, yes, but one problem was thanks to climate change, the fighting season got longer that year. Yeah. But I do know this, my friend. Oh, yes. If and when our government decides to pursue such an arrangement, they can skip the middleman and just talk directly to you. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to. Thanks for the call. We have help today from the Charter School Foundation, helping to close as many schools in Afghanistan as we did in Chicago. Legal services for Karzai Talk from the law firm of Ketchum Nukum. I'm Mahmoud. And I'm Hamid. Join us again for another pre pullout edition of Karzai Talk. This is APR, Afghanistan Public Radio.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, speaking of political uh, kabuki, as I was earlier in this broadcast, there is a um, another dis- source of dispute between Republicans and Democrats. The House Republican leader, John Boehner, invited Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu to address the Congress, the Republican-controlled Congress, just a couple of weeks before the Israeli election coming up in March. This is a fairly unprecedented situation where the invitation did not have the participation of the executive branch, which is supposedly responsible for the foreign affairs of the country. And uh, the administration has expressed some dismay over that development. Most observers expect Netanyahu to address the Congress on the subject of the ongoing U.S. negotiations with Iran over control of Iran's nuclear program, a subject on which Netanyahu has been outspokenly opposed to any negotiation that might allow Iran to pursue a nuclear program, even though Iran says it's not seeking a bomb. Just so you have an idea what kind of advice Benjamin Netanyahu gives the United States Congress, here he was in September of 2002.
4: If you take out Saddam, Saddam's regime, I guarantee you that it will have enormous positive reverberations on the region. And I think that people sitting right next door in Iran, young people, uh, and many others will say the time of such regimes, of such chess is gone. There is a new age, something new is happening. If I had to say, what are the three principles of winning the war on terror? It's like, what are the three principles of real estate, the three Ls, location, location, location? The three principles of winning the war on terror are the three Ws, winning, winning, and winning. The more victories you amass, the easier the next victory becomes. The first victory in Afghanistan makes the second victory in Iraq that much easier. The second victory in Iraq will make the third victory That much easier, too. But it may change the nature of achieving that victory. It may be possible to have implosions taking place. I don't guarantee it, Mr. Turney. But I think it makes it more likely. uh, And therefore, I think the choice of Iraq is a good choice. It's the right choice.
1: Mm. To uh, misquote the old joke, with friends like those, you don't need Hungarians. And now, ladies and gentlemen, the apologies of the week. We're
2: so sorry.
1: Let's start with Christy Capell, a morning news anchor at WJW in Cleveland. This is the morning after the Oscars. Lady
5: Gaga surprising a lot of people
1: last night with this tribute to the sound of music. It was It's very impressive though, isn't it?
3: It's hard to really hear her voice. Lady Gaga. With all the jigaboo music that she did, whatever you want to call it, (laughs) (laughs) jigaboo.
1: Yeah, she likes saying that word, but she apologized the next day for using a racially offensive term. I just want to take a moment to address a comment that I made yesterday that got a lot of attention, she said at 6.45 a.m. It's important for me to let you know that I deeply regret my insensitive comment and I really did not know the meaning of the word and would never intentionally use such hurtful language. I sincerely apologize for using that language and promise to learn from this and I hope you will give me that chance. Her co-anchor on the broadcast, you heard his voice there, was an African-American, is an African-American. ESPN announced it will suspend Keith Olbermann from his show for the remainder of the week after the host took shots on the social media at Penn State students participating in a cancer fundraiser. ESPN's statement called the comments completely inappropriate and not reflective of the sportscaster's views. The annual tradition, the efforts of the students of Penn State to fight pediatric cancer should be applauded, says ESPN. Oberman apologized for the tweets, calling them stupid and childish. Andrew Caldwell exclaimed, I'm not gay no more, I don't like men's no more, at a Church of God in Christ conference in St. Louis. The video of that statement went viral. I did not want to go viral, said Caldwell, I did not expect that to go viral, I did not want to get up there and just say anything and look crazy in front of thousands of people. He says he felt pressured by the previous speaker, who called gays in the church sissies and suggested they should bleed from their butts. The Church of God and Christ issued a formal apology. As presiding bishop, said Bishop Charles Blake, I apologize for what seemed to be a harsh, uncompassionate, disrespectful spirit on the part of that speaker. I also apologize to Andrew Caldwell. We love all people regardless of their faith or their moral standing. Caldwell was not impressed with the apology. They think they can preach the homosexuals away in the Church of God in Christ, and you can't. Said Caldwell, I still have desires. Unquote. At a February hearing of UCLA student government, four of nine representatives raised concerns that the Jewish background of a judicial board candidate, Rachel Beda, could present a conflict of interest and make her unfit to serve as a judge in the student government's judicial branch. The council eventually unanimously approved her appointment. The vote came after 40 minutes of debate and an initial 4-4 vote that was later invalidated, and an interjection by a faculty representative who explained that her affiliation with the campus Jewish community does not constitute a conflict of interest. Four students, Fabian Roth, Manjor Singh, Nagin Sadek, Movahed, and Sofia moreno Hawk voiced concerns about appointing her. The four students have since publicly apologized to the Daily Bruin. Students for Justice in Palestine argued two student Government representatives who'd gone on sponsored trips to Israel should not have been allowed to vote on a boycott resolution that targeted Israel. Sounds like uh, UCLA student government when I was there. The one thing student government has in com- uh, common with government is it's the same creeps. Deadline Washington. The White House defended U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs Secretary Robert McDonald after he apologized for falsely saying he served in the U.S. Special Forces A top Republican said the incident could hurt trust in the Department of Veterans Affairs. McDonald said he recently met a homeless man in Los Angeles. Really? They have those there? Who said he served in the Special Forces. McDonald said he incorrectly responded that he also served there. The exchange aired on the CBS Evening News. In an attempt to connect with the veteran and make him feel comfortable, I misspoke. McDonald said, I made a mistake and I apologize for it. We take him at his word, said a White House spokesperson. It would make me comfortable if I were homeless. The co-anchor of E! News, Juliana Rancic, has apologized for what many consider a racially insensitive remark regarding singer-actress Zendaya. Heard of either of them? Following a social media backlash for saying on Fashion Police that Zendaya's dreadlocks on the Academy Awards red carpet suggested the smell of patchouli oil or weed, Rancic, who's 40 tweeted, Dear Zendaya, I'm sorry I offended you and others. I was referring to a bohemian chic look, had nothing to do with race, and never would. A Danish fashion magazine Cover offered a public apology after featuring a model who critics said was too thin and promoted an unhealthy image for young girls. The image seen in the pages of Cover launched a hashtag, Covergate, and had readers of Reddit fuming, asking if the image was a corpse or model. The founder of the magazine took to the magazine's Facebook page to offer an apology, calling it a sad day. I've not lived up to my responsibilities as a publisher, woman, and mother, and am truly sorry, she said. Officials at a suburban high school in Chicago apologized for a controversial photo featuring their girls' basketball team with a Barbie doll on a crucifix at a Catholic school. Woodstock High School took the title after beating Woodstock North at Marion Central Catholic High School, but their celebratory photo after the game sparked outrage from some. The girls were seen pointing at the cross, smiling and laughing at a Barbie doll. The team's symbol of girl power stuck to a crucifix. The school apologized. And a Basque country counselor has landed himself in hot water after attending Tenerife's famous carnival in full Nazi uniform. The uh, head of the People's Party in the Basque Country, Nerea Llano, apologized for the action by Juanjo Gastana Torre. We cannot allow a career so dedicated to the defense of freedom, human rights, and democracy like that of Juanjo Gastana Torre, to be tainted by a mistake. He, too, has since apologized for wearing the Nazi costume. In no way did I act in bad faith. My intention was not to offend anyone, least of all the victims of Nazism, he was quoted as saying. He also expressed the most resounding rejection of any regime that's authoritarian or against human rights, as was Nazism. He was the founder of the Basque Party in 1976. The apologies of the week, ladies and gentlemen, a copyrighted feature of this broadcast. <laughs> Gentlemen, that's going to conclude this week's edition of the show. The program returns next week at the same time over these same stations over NPR worldwide throughout Europe, the USN 440 cable system in Japan, around the world through the facilities of the American Forces Network, up and down the east coast of North America via the shortwave giant WBCQ, the planet, 7.490 megahertz shortwave on the Mighty 104 in Berlin, around the world via the internet at two different locations, live and archived whenever you want at harryshearer.com and kcsn.org. Available for your smartphone through Stitcher.com available as a free podcast. They're big at WWNO.org SoundCloud Sideshow Network iTunes and TuneIn.com And it'd be just like defunding the Department of Homeland Security once and for all if you'd agree to join with me then. Would you already? Thank you very much. Uh Uh-huh. A tip of the show chapeau to the San Diego-Pittsburgh-Chicago in exile in Hawaii desks. Thanks, as always, to Pam Halstead and to Jenny Lawson at WWNO New Orleans for help with today's broadcast. The email address for this broadcast, playlist of the music here and here on, and Cars I Talk t-shirts. Yeah! Available at com. Me, I'm available on Twitter at the Harry Shearer. The show comes to you from Century of Progress Productions and originates through the facilities of WWNO New Orleans, flagship station for the Change is Easy radio network. Goodbye from London.